Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the first day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, who, as of this recording are still a playoff team. Hey, um, I'm going to be talking some Red Sox today. I'm going to talk Red Sox with an old buddy of mine. I've known him for, God, I can't believe I've known him for two decades now, more than two decades. And Nick Stevens, the creator of townynews.com, makes lots of really funny videos there and lots of great content. Uh, the character Paul Fitzy Fitzgerald has been on Nesson, has been on ESPN, and we just know each other because we we're Red Sox fans living in New York together. So... I got him on the phone. He's still living in New York. I'm out here in California. And we want to talk a little bit about our beloved Red Sox and some thoughts about them winning the division in 2016. So here's a little bit of my conversation with Nick Stevens. Uh, you know what? This is, first of all, what a great time to be alive. What a yeah. great time to be alive. Don't wish that you missed out on anything or that you could live longer and see something in a life that you'll never get to know 100 years from now or wonder what it would have been like 50, 100, or 200 years ago. Just be grateful. You are a Boston – I'm going to presume if you like the Red Sox, 98% of all Red Sox fans usually are Boston sports fans in general mm-hmm. and like the Patriots as well. Then there's those weird ones that are like, oh, I'm a Pats fan and a Yankees fan, or like I'm a Blue Jays fan and a Pats fan. Those people I, – I always wonder how that happens, but I don't really care enough to find out. If you are a Boston sports fan now, what a freaking great time to be alive. You live the prime of your life, the prime of my life, or whatever is the prime. The ground round of both of our lives was spent cheering for Tom Brady and David Ortiz. Big yep. Poppy is the centerpiece. Basically, the middle of my life will have been cheering for, admiring, and just basing my six months of my television uh, viewing, radio listening, sports-invested passion on David Ortiz. What, how freaking lucky can you be? What a I know. great time to be alive. By the way, I just want to say one thing, and, and, and we both have the experience of being Red Sox fans living in New York during the uh-huh. Joe Torre era. Uh, that's when you and I first met was during that time when it was, all right, well, we're going to watch this classy team win championship after championship, and we're just going to be dumped upon but, but yeah, speaking I, of ter- horror, uh, speaking of horror movies, pardon the interruption, uh, Tony Kornheiser. But speaking of horror movies, our mutual friend, the great horror director Eli Roth, is the one who introduced us. That's right. Oh, you are, our NYU yeah. pal. That's right. Yeah, I, for, I forgot Eli Roth is our is our connection there. Um, but and I will say that uh, the 2003 LCS is gorier than anything Eli Roth ever directed. But I, and, I, and I would say that for me, the 2003 ALCS. Game seven of which uh, I had been doing a comedy show in and watched the 11th inning from outside of a bar. Kind of felt like my own personal hostel. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would have rather been used as a a hatchet prize for somebody than have lived <laughs> that out in New York City. But um, but I'll get to that in a second. But you, there's been a lot of Yankee fans who have been complaining about the fact that the David Ortiz goodbye ceremony is getting too tacky and that they had a ceremony in New York. And I kept thinking, wait a minute, two years ago, Derek Jeter went from 
stadium to stadium and entered each stadium the same way that Elizabeth Taylor entered in Cleopatra on a gigantic sphinx surrounded by dancers and people beating drums while people lay gifts at his feet. And this was one year after Mariano Rivera pitched his last game and ascended into heaven. So I'm like, going, right. you know what? You guys can be okay with giving a painting and a nice book to David Ortiz. You can, you can do that because I, I, I will admit that the existence of Jeter and Rivera made the rivalry more interesting, but it also is more interesting because of the Ortizes and the Pedro Martinez's, and yeah, I'll say it, the Kurt Schillings of the world, who made it more interesting. So knock it off and quit your yapping. Yeah, I mean, you always need, like, it's it's never that interesting without rivalry. Batman's not half the interesting character he is without his Joker or his his somebody to who's going to, you know, keep you on your toes, who's going to win a couple from you. I mean, maybe that's to some people what's not doesn't make it quite as interesting with the Patriots in some way because they haven't had quite as many rivals or peers. But with the Red Sox and Yankees, I mean, that's that's the rivalry, and it's only going to be so great when – on, when it's not lopsided or one-sided, and when you've got some give and take. And for the Manny, for the Poppy, for the Pedro, there was the Bernie, there was especially, there was the Bernie, there was the Jeter, and, of course, there was the Mariano. And I thought yeah. the Red Sox, by the way, you know, there I was thinking all this time that when Jeter came up, for you know, when he came out for his retirement and, and you know, made his Dom DeLuise as the Roman Emperor processional <laughs> in History of the World Part 1 into Fenway, you know, I thought the people from the Red Sox were going to throw like ripped off car doors and you know babies at him, and it would be no. Instead, they gave him this huge long classy ovation because it was because you know it would be different had we not won three World Series. Exactly, exactly. Because twenty twenty whatever you know, and now we can look at it with rose colored glasses. But of course, you know the three World Series helped a ton. But yeah, now we've gotten a taste as well, so now we can appreciate it more as opposed to like if. If you know, like uh, you know, any any Yankee from back and if Babe Ruth went on a, reti- a retirement tour, or if like you know DiMaggio did, people would be like, "Ah, screw you, DiMaggio!" You know, all you did was keep us under thumb. It feels more like an oppressor, but now it's more like a rival. And Jeter was great for the game. You know, of course, every time he would pull off a huge win, throw himself in the stands, and crack his face open when Nomar was pouting in the dugout, or make his little lateral to get a Giambi out in Oakland. You know, and he would do his little fist pump. I always wished I had a handsaw so I could saw his elbow off. He saw his yeah. arm off at the elbow. But he was he was great. Yeah, and the Red Sox treated him fabulously. And with Mariano, they they like they cheer they gave him a standing O and also like cheer slash jeered him because they understand he played such a huge part in accidentally opening. You know, basically reading from the Necronomicon and opening up the gate <laughs> to hell that was the, the Red Sox getting back in that ALCS in 2004. So what? It's a freaking painting in a book for Poppy, for God's sakes. Come on, please. You yeah. know, things are brightening up for the Yankees anyway. But they're, you know, if if we're the most miserable fans in baseball, I would like to turn that cruel mirror on the Yankees fans and remind them uh, of who they're criticizing. I know. I know. Well, here's something I also love, and I love that I can say this, and I am just petty enough to say this, that the Red Sox have now won two division titles, since the last time the Yankees have scored a postseason run. Wow. I, I like that. Yeah, the last time they scored a postseason run was in the ALCS of 2012. They were in the wild card last year, 
but they got mm-hmm. shut out by the Houston Astros. Oh, I know. And, I loved every second of it. And so now the Sox have, you know, and then, I, you know, the Sox, uh, you know, they won the division, and uh, this is a Sox team that. Look at is this a world beater? Do I think this is the greatest Red Sox team I've ever seen talent wise? Far from it. But that being said, this American League, there's no Cubs in this American League. There's no Nationals in this. There's no like dominating team that you take a look at the Indians with the injuries they've had to their pitching staff, the up and down nature of the Blue Jays, the up and down nature of Texas, which between you and me, I actually think Texas is going to win the pennant. Um, and, you know, Baltimore is completely unpredictable. We don't know if Detroit's going to be in it or not. There is no team that you can look me in the eye and say the Red Sox can't beat. But then again, there's also no team you can look me in the eye and say this Red Sox team is going to dominate. I think this is a completely level playing field in the American League right now. Well, if we were going to run through the teams right now who and things could change by the time this is that we, you know, you press the stop button, you publish this, <laughs> and then the weekend passes by. But right now it looks like Toronto and Baltimore are going to get the wild cards. They'll get the play-in game, which I always love, unless somehow Detroit pull or Seattle pull off some sort of miracle, and then we get a play-in game for the play-in game, which uh, I'll, never I, say, I'll never say no to more free postseason baseball. Sorry. Exactly, exactly. For everyone who's a detractor or bitches about, like, oh, I like it the way it used to be, you know, too bad. Like, no, it's more fun this way. So what, you play a whole season and you get a chance to make the dance. That's what. That's why you play it. Sorry, that's why you play the game. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of running down the AL teams, Cleveland does not instill any fear in me, and I really do hope the Red Sox draw the tribe first because I'm actually going to be in Cleveland next weekend for Brady's return, no yeah. less, and, and shooting some original content uh some Fitzy content for townynews.com. So there's a chance I might be able to see Brady's game go someplace, sober up, and then start pre-gaming, and then go, you know, go straight with a scalp ticket right into game three at, at whatever they call the what used to be the Jake out in the It's Cleveland. the Jake. It's the Jake. Let's just call it the Jake. Yeah. yeah, it's like I love it when I is living in New York. I love when I see people that wear T-shirts that say I still call it Shay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I call it the Jake, but. The tribe doesn't scare me. The, the, there's a lot of young talent there. When that pitching staff, when that you know, when they're pitching Death Star is fully operational, I think it'd be a different story. But it is what it is, and I think it is a very beatable team. Uh, Toronto, no, I think Toronto's too inconsistent. Their closer, Stroman, uh, who's the closer up in Osuna? Oh, He's yeah. had a lot of trouble locking it down recently. Baltimore scares me more because of the fact that Zach Britton is throwing a wiffle ball. He's going to win the Cy Young, number one. And number two, he's throwing a freaking wiffle ball every ninth inning that he gets in there with the lead. The guy is untouchable right now. It's like yeah. he's got diplomatic immunity. Well, it's also it's a little like what was going on with Kansas City last year, where they may not have had the best rotation, but if they could somehow get the lead after the sixth, you're not going to touch them because their bullpen is so locked down. So, yeah, Baltimore, especially over the last couple of weeks, they're, you know they have pop in their, in their lineup. Um, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're a team you don't want to draw. You know, it, it's sad because, you know, part of me is like, look, at if it can't be the Red Sox, I'd want to be Cleveland just because I still love Frank Kona. And there's a part of me would like to see a 2004 Indians-Cubs Theo versus Tito uh, World Series if it can't be the Red Sox. And I just think that that would there'd be something kind of magical about that. But, uh, but they lose Salazar, they lose Carrasco. 
uh, there's your pitching depth. You know, you, you've got to have that pitching depth if you want to win. And they, they, if they were, you're right. If it was Kluber, Carrasco, Salazar, and some combination of Bauer and Tomlin in the fourth spot, mm-hmm. then I, then I'd be saying, sure, Cleveland's going to win the pennant. But the minute yeah, they, they lost the, the two of them, guys get hurt. Phew, no, you yeah. can't do it, man. And like, if you've got three studs at the top, like they did. Yep. And then you can turn your four and five into long men, and you're just gonna go, just gonna tell these guys like, you know what? I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna go Dodger style. I'm gonna ride this out three man rotation style, and yep. just gonna lean on you guys to come in if these boys are tired. You can only give me five or six. That makes that makes pitching wins. It's like the it's usually the great defenses that win the Super Bowl, like last year with the Broncos, and when the Giants dethrone the you know shock the Patriots. Defense wins Super Bowls more often than not, and pitching wins. Playoffs and World Series. And well, pitching, team, pitching, pitching depth does. I think that you've seen right. teams that have had, you've seen teams that have had great aces. Like, oh, last year the Dodgers had Kershaw and Grinky. But after that, you know, I had someone, I know someone who's a big Dodger fan, and she had the line, Kershaw and Grinky and the rest are stinky. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, uh, <laughs> that's kind of what it is, you know. And the minute they, right. lost, they lost the game started by Kershaw, you knew the Mets were going to find a way. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's the chink in the armor they couldn't possibly afford because they had to get through those top guys. And the same thing with the Cubs. Like the second that the Mets were able to get to the Cubs and then they could trot out basically four aces, uh, that was was over too. And that was a a beatdown in the 2015 NLCS last year. It was shockingly easy for the Mets. But that rotation was on fire. And I think this year the Mets will get in in the wild card and I think that they'll win the play-in, and then the Cubs will be able to do a little turnaround fair play with them this year. But coming out of the American League, I think the only two teams that can give the Cubs the everybody's favorite, and I think this is a, the kind of year with the kind of talent and the kind of attitude and the kind of they have and the kind of fun that they are set up to make it to the series. I think the only two teams that could give them trouble would be Texas and the Red Sox. Yeah. Because Texas's top two starters – are fantastic, and Cole Hamels, if anybody's got some postseason bona fides that he can trot out there and effortlessly mow a team down with, it's Hamels. And Darvish is another one of these guys that throws wiffle balls and can bring legitimate heat. And he may, on the right night, if you've got two aces like that that can shut a team down, you might win the one nothing or the 2-1 to one game. That's yeah. what I think Texas can do. And that's what scares me a little bit about the top of the Reds. And I think the Red Sox obviously could beat the Cubs. And I think everybody mm-hmm. wants to see Red Sox-Cubs because Theo Theo versus the team that he built versus Theo, actual Theo and the team that he's now currently built, Lester leaving the team that he last won a World Series with, now trying to win a World Series with. It's just, Fenway it's Wrigley. All too, it's all too good. It's all too good. Fen- Fenway Wrigley. And also you have tons of Red Sox fans all over the country Tons of Cubs fans all, all over the country. I know. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's just, and let's face it, we'd be the bad guys in that scenario because, which I, re- which I think is so ironic, and I would relish. I think it would be so fun. Could Red Sox fans possibly? Could we live with ourselves? Of course we can. We hate ourselves, and we, you know, New Englanders, <laughs> and they're born. We're born hating ourselves, so don't think that we'd have a hard time living with it. But the chance to be the bad guy this time, I mean, we know what it's like, and we can empathize with Cubs fans. You know, for for forever and ever, and three days after that. But you know, at the same time, like, can are the Red Sox the team that's going to get in the way of the Cubs 
Yes. Suffering. Me. Oh, I want it. I want it. Suffering. Oh, I yeah. It. Oh, it would be amazing. Oh, it would be absolutely amazing. And, or are they going to be the team? Would it be so deliciously ironic for the Cubs to have to go to the Red Sox, the team that had the second longest suffering streak, the team pre- built by their current GM? I mean, it just, it, you know, led by the former ace of the Red, Red Sox, now the de facto ace of the Cubs. Or I mean, you can call it Hendricks or Arietta, you know, tomato, tomato, potato, potato, whatever. But, damn, it really would be great. The problem with the Red Sox is I think the rotation is too streaky. I don't trust David Price as far as I could throw him in the postseason, and I wouldn't be throwing him with my bad back, Ed. And uh, I'll tell you, the only way they're going to win, they would just have to do what they did in tech, that epic comeback in Texas in the middle of the summer. They're just going to have to mash their way through. Highest scoring team in baseball. They're just going to have to pound it out. Yeah, I, I mean, if I were a betting man and I'm not, uh, I would say that the World Series is going to be – Texas, Chicago, uh, and I actually would pick Texas because I think that they have a deceptive pitching depth. I think their depth is stronger than people realize, and I think if you if Hamels wins his two games and they can sneak one other game, then you would be then you're at a game seven, which would be a toss up in Texas. I mean, I think they're going to upset them, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think the only team that could have really knocked the Cubs out in the National League would have been. Washington at full strength, but they're not at full strength. You know, they're not going to have they're not going to have um, uh, Strasburg. They're not going to have Ramos uh, or Harold Ramos, the late Harold Ramos, either. And no, he, oh, what happened to Harold? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think yeah. that I, I I'm going to st- even though my heart, you know, my heart wants a, uh, a Red Sox victory because you know there are three year olds in Boston who have never experienced a World Series title, and uh, my my buddy Kenny what? Mack, who <laughs> is a huge Sox and Patriots and Celtics fan, and he was complaining about the fact that the Red Sox clinched, but they lost the game. It was the walk-off home run, and he was complaining that it makes me sick. And he said, "I just I don't I, I hate to have that be my memory of this team." And I said to him, "Yeah, I know because you haven't had a parade since 2015, you know." <laughs> Oh, mo- like best first world problems ever. Yeah, exactly. So the award and the envelope, please, and the award goes to Boston sports fans. I know. Yeah. I felt the same way too. I, but you know, I'll tell you, Sully. Uh, I'll tell you, if there's ever been a team, I can't put my finger on why I love. It's almost like I'm in this strange marriage with the Red Sox this year for some reason. Like I. There are days when I watch this team. All right, listen. I, actually, I still even prefer. I have all the out-of-market packages and just whatever devices and streaming services available to me. But I tell you, I still prefer listening to them because I love yeah, the radio. Yeah, me too. Sports. Me too. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick Stevens. And by the way, I have another part of this episode. It's going to be a longer than usual podcast that I did with Nick Stevens that I'll be posting sometime this upcoming week. We went down memory lane about past Red Sox playoff years, and you know, even though it came out long, I kind of like how it turned out. It's some very specific memories and, and, and made both of us laugh. So listen to that if you're a Sox fan coming up this week. If you're not a Sox fan, don't worry. I'm going to cover every single team that's in the postseason. I'm not going to ignore anyone. Don't think this is bias. And let everyone remember, I've been picking the Rangers. Uh, who won baseball yesterday? Miguel Cabrera, with his two homers, clinched who owns baseball as the American League hitter. So this American League hitter, the highest WAB total 
is Miguel Cabrera. Jose Fernandez already clinched it for pitchers in uh, the National League, and Corey Kluber already clinched it for pitchers in the American League. So only National League hitter is up in the air. Right now, Freddie Freeman, believe it or not, leads that. Uh, Hugh Darvish, Brandon Belt, and Carlos Martinez all own baseball as well. Half wobs. No pitchers got half wobs yesterday. Jose Bautista and Trey Turner uh, got half wobs for their great performance. We keep score at home. Miguel Cabrera, Hugh Darvish, Brandon Belt, and Carlos Martinez. Full wobs, half wobs, Trey Turner and Jose Bautista. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Thanks, Nick Stevens. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the first day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.